politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for what actually matters in our life, our liberty, our property, our future. If that is what you're hoping to do, well, this is pretty much your only place to tune into. See our podcast, your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Tuesday, January 24th. And the question is, do we even know what it is? That we're fighting for. And from talking to most people, I've spent pretty much the last 15 hours just on the phone, which is why I don't have much of a voice today, with various legislators and friends of mine in different states trying to get them to wake up and smell the freaking Fourth Reich. It's just bizarre. We're living through people dying suddenly, and they're doubling down on it, and it's like not even an issue. It's not even issue number 10. And what it is, is most people just like politics as an end to itself. I hate politics. Now, that might sound funny, given what I do for a living, but I'm not here for the politics. I'm here for the outcomes to civilization. And even conservatives, whether they're influencers, whether they're activists, whether they're think tank people, whether they're legislators, state, federal, even the best ones, often a lot of them, they're colored by what's in the news. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, they'll focus on what's in the news from a right-leaning perspective as opposed to a left-leaning perspective. But nonetheless, it's the issue that the media wants you to talk about. But it's the news cycle itself that is the problem. Because the biggest problems to society are the things that aren't being discussed. But without a discussion, without media focus, and without a grassroots firestorm, Good things will not happen on their own, which means that the bad things will continue. And that's what I noticed. You know, even the worst Republican legislators or legislatures, chambers, they're horrible on everything, but we we finally turned the corner on the tranny issue. There actually are most red states are going to be passing not just the sports bill, but a lot of this stuff, and we struggled for years on this issue. We couldn't even get the sports stuff passed, which is a kind of the low-hanging fruit. But that's because we broke through with imagery, with stories, with videos, got libs of TikTok, things like that, and it finally broke through. But it shows you it's not going to happen on its own. So with other issues, such as medical freedom, it's, it's everything. It's life, liberty, property, surveillance, human life. At its core. I feel like Jeremiah walking through the ruins, but no one knows it's happening. It's weird. And you know, they say, when I when I explain it, like, yeah, it's a problem. But it's like, what are you going to do about it? The FDA is meeting on Thursday. And among other things, which we'll see what happens, they're planning an interesting idea. Remember how I said with this limited hangout, they're going to take this building pressure against the jabs, and they're going to try to create a release valve and channel it through something limited. Like, hey, yeah, you're right. It's a problem. Here's what we're going to do. I love how these guys work. So they announced, here's what they're going to do. You're right. It's time we treat the COVID shots like the flu shots. So you get it every year. Like, what? 
I guess it means as opposed to getting it two or three times a year and then changing up with the fake variants, we're just going to have a standard COVID shot every year. So, dude, this means that for the rest of time, every pharmacy is going to give a death shot along with the flu shot to every senior, anyone who walks in. How are we okay with that? That needs to be stopped. And that's before we get to the RSV and other mRNA shots and other pathogens they're creating. But it, it doesn't register. Now, I'm trying. I'm clawing away one after another. If I have a conversation, let's say, with 10 legislators one day, by the end of the day, I can get you know four or so to introduce one of my ideas. So that's kind of what I'm doing. It's very time-consuming. But this is what you guys could do if you want to join a team. By the way, anyone who wants to be a team leader, that they understand the legislative process, they work good together, they have good leadership skills, you might be retired or whatever, you, you know, stay-at-home mom, you have, you have time. I need a team in, in South Dakota. Um, we have people signed up, but I need a team leader to actually formulate it. So again, you could sign up at conaction.network or email me at danielhorowitz at startmail.com. But folks, what we've learned is you got to create a firestorm. They want this to continue without inquiry. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is killing everyone. Okay, let's go on and not even just go on, but let's double down on this. The WHO's Jeremy Farrar recently said, it's critical that responsible, respected scientists and agencies get ahead, get ahead of the science and the narrative of this and are not reacting to reports which could be very damaging. They want to get ahead of the undeniable genocide. But we need to be in place We need to have the ideas in place that when we reach critical mass, like we did on the tranny stuff, we could act swiftly. And this is why I hated the fact that legislators, a lot of states, the the chambers are barely in session because, you know, you reach critical mass in a May or June, you have to wait until next January, February to do anything about it. It's just simply ridiculous. And I'm finding that too. A lot of legislators are... They're very part-time. A lot of them work even during the session, much less out of the session. Uh, They don't have staff or very little staff. And, you know, they'll fight two or three righteous battles, and it's usually on what's in the news, and a lot of them is good. A lot of these guys are the sponsors of the tranny bills, things like that. That's great. But there's no bandwidth left to promote anything else. And this is a big problem. It is shocking how Republicans and fake conservative movement people have grifted for decades. And we have, you know, 31 to 4, 88, 12 majorities in West Virginia, and we can't do anything with it because nobody is working with the few good guys to build the case, build legislation, and and build a movement behind it. So I'm doing my best as a one-man show to kind of do this, but anyone who thinks that they have the time and acumen, dedication to help... Uh, you know, at least lead or co-lead one of these teams, let me know. Because this is a big deal. So we're going to have a very special guest coming up talking about, again, 
what is the most important story? If I had to say, what is the most important, impact, impactful, dire, consequential issue looming over us right now? There's a lot of them. But I don't understand how the therapeutic genocide, what has already been done, what is currently being done, what is in the pipeline imminently, is not in the top three, much less the top ten. And we're going to talk about one of the biggest stories of the genocide. But first, I want to just go through some some information. There's a new Danish preprint study out on this bivalent shot, which has proven to make like 30% of all kids either vomit or get fever from it. 1.7 million individuals um, over the age of 50 analyzed found a 2.5 times increased rate of encephalitis in females 28 days post-booster relative to another third-fourth dose cohort starting 28 days post-vaccination. Now, notice how they study these things, and they study it in a way that there's no control group of pure-blooded people. Now, that picks up a safety signal, right? Because... Everyone agrees that, you know, typically, even if something is going to cause long-term, you know, like like a late hit on your body, which they definitely do, it's you're going to have, you know, a greater proportion of the injuries the closer you get to the actual injection. So they found a two-and-a-half times increased rate of encephalitis 28 days after the shot relative to those beyond 28 days. Now... A lot of you are probably wondering, okay, well, what's the increased rate above those who didn't get any of the shots, any duration past the shot because they didn't get it? Well, yeah, we'd like to know. But that tells you that that's going to be exponentially higher. Encephalitis. It's titled Safety of Bivalent Omicron Containing MRNA Booster Vaccines, a nationwide cohort study out of Denmark if you want to check it up. Now, first today, is, as we're talking about medical freedom, human life, medical freedom and access is the new pro-life issue. Part of the supply chain issues, making food and fuel in you know, really severe shortages in many parts of the country. Expensive. We now have a problem with med- emergency medical supplies, including medications, even common, common antibiotics like amoxicillin, augmentin, doxycycline. We now have a new partner, Jace Medical. If you go to jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com, use offer code REVIEW10, you get $10 off an order of five different courses of antibiotics in, in what's called a Jace case. They could take it with you in case you can't get it when you need it. Either you're traveling, pandemic, who knows what they're going to do. You have the most basic antibiotics to treat bacterial illnesses, UTIs, respiratory infections, uh, sinusitis, you name it. You have it there. It's got to be part of your emergency kits. I'll say I made fun of the preppers years ago. They were ahead of their time. But I think you should add your Jace case from Jace Medical to that kit. Uh, obviously, it has to be prescription, so you fill out a questionnaire online. Um, as long as they don't see any red flags, they'll prescribe it, and then they'll mail it to you at jacemedical.com. 
offer code REVIEW10. Oh, by the way, speaking of Denmark, there's another um, paper out there. Not a paper. Um, this is from dr.dk. So it's a news website in Denmark. This is, this is a translation from English. Undertakers lack space for coffins with the deceased. Quote, we can't put a coffin on the street. Lack of space and lack of refrigeration at crematoria and chapels must be resolved before the summer heat sets in, according to undertakers. Now, you go through this article, and nowhere does it ever explain exactly what is causing this. It's, it's so weird. Yeah, like people are just dying and this cardiac stuff and we're putting defibrillators in schools now in, in, in England and, uh, you know, 35% excess death here in Australia. I mean, this is out in the mainstream and no one's asking, why is it happening? This is the most bizarre... See, first we had the mass psychosis of fear and mass psychosis of people uniformly going along with insanity. Now it's the opposite. We have mass psychosis to just live your life. They want you to live your life now. They don't want you to think about COVID or anything related to it. And there's there's a rubber band, a pendulum effect. Be- because we were so crushed for a year and a half or so, depending on where you are, how long, the fact that you're now, you know, most people could go anywhere without a mandate, without a shot, without uh, a mask, at least at this point, Hey, it's great. It actually feels better than it ever felt to just be normal because, you know, we we took it for granted and then we went without it for a year and a half. That's the new mass psychosis. Like, there's nothing going on. Like, we forget. Wait a minute. Where the heck did this come from? Who did this? Who planned all this? Why? What are they currently planning? How come people are still dying? How come they're still pushing more shots? You cannot move away from this. Switzerland had the largest birth rate drop in 150 years. Australian birth rates fell 21% from October to November 2021, followed by a 63% decrease in the next month, headed into December. And again... I don't see this, anything related to the last three years on Scalise's majority leader floor scheduling for House votes. A bunch of flaccid, weird bills. Weird, weird bills. Before we bring on our guests, I just want to leave you with this question. There's this story out there about this Utah doctor, a plastic surgeon, was reported by the UK Daily Mail, Dr. Michael Kirk Moore and his nurse practitioner, Carrie D. Burgone, and, and two more people were roped into this. They were charged for allegedly dumping COVID vaccines, administering fake ones with saline, and issuing fake COVID cards for $50 each. It's not a bad cost to save your life, $50. Now, this guy, they'll probably give him the death penalty or something. But can I ask you a question? Do you disagree with me that this guy should be pardoned and in fact be a hero? Now, you don't want people committing fraud, but what if you commit fraud on the greatest fraud ever perpetrated 
that wasn't just a financial fraud, but the greatest genocide probably, when this is all said and done, of all time. I mean, is there something wrong with that? If people came to him because they wanted to get out of it and he serviced them. See, this this is where there's this disconnect. Like, everyone's tacitly admitting, yeah, this kind of doesn't work. Negative effective. Causes more spread. Yeah, causes this, causes that. Injury. Well, when you get to a story like this, so then shouldn't this guy be treated accordingly? We don't let it penetrate our hearts. We see things, but we don't change our laws and policies based on the morality of reality. I just don't get it. And I think that's a good segue into our special guest today. So folks, when we talk about each one of these studies, data points, observations about humanity, sudden deaths, excess deaths, decreased birth rates, increased stillbirths, all this stuff, each one alone is enough to just, I mean, you look at the past, when we would pull something off the market, a fear of an airbag going wrong, a fear of a car seat, something like that. I mean, it would be a firestorm. And yet this is a thousand firestorms, and it just it just doesn't penetrate. It's bizarre. And each of these are the type of things that there's no middle ground you can't turn away from. Because if it's true and you didn't follow up on it, I mean, that's that's humanity. This is something that was put in everyone's body. It codes their body to produce something we know sticks to your endothelium. We know it damages your blood vessels, and we know it does 50 million other things. That's been proven time again. There's V-safe, case studies, academic studies, all these observations, and we just, we just move on. Perhaps the biggest example of this is the issue of these Frankenstein white fibrin-like clots. When we started coming out, heard people like embalmers like Richard Hirschman in Alabama, and we had him on the show last year, and a couple others saying, you know, in a, in a given day or week, sometimes from anywhere from a quarter to a third and sometimes a half of the bodies that I'm working with, you know, typically uh, in preparation for a funeral, they I'm pulling out these just just hard substance uh, you know, not not like a typical jelly clot with a little bit of clotting and, and blood, but it's not even blood. It's just this stuff that you wonder how someone could even live for a minute with with it, and they're pulling it out of their bodies, and it started around, you know, beginning of 2021, and they never really saw it before. Well, that's the type of thing that I thought, I forget how long it's been, a year or so since this has come out. I mean, we would have followed up on that by now. How How is there no intellectual curiosity? How is there no emergency? I mean, this is the type of thing that Congress, you would think, would call these people in immediately and investigate this, get to the bottom of this. Because what that portends, in many respects, is something, the sick feeling that keeps growing in us every day, that as crazy as the death toll and the injury toll is, you know, let's say, Several hundred thousand in the United States and several million injured, you know, uh, sub- substantially. That that's just the tip of the iceberg, and perhaps this is looming in someone. It's creating some sort of you know circulatory issues that are much greater in terms of the proportion of those who got the shot than any of us could imagine, and we need to get get ahead of this. 
what's causing it, how pervasive is this, and and perhaps what could we do to reverse the effects uh, beyond certainly banning these shots completely. So today we're going to have a very interesting guest on. You know, regular citizen who actually was interested in this and said, wait a minute, we can't just like turn away from that. Either these guys are completely lying or this is the death of humanity and we got to follow through with that. So Thomas Haviland is with us today. He's an electrical engineer and data analyst. He spent 20 years in the Air Force, retired as a major, uh, then worked as a defense contractor. And he's taken this on as a project to call various funeral directors and bombers, undertakers, uh, including those involved in official associations. He created a survey that he sent around to, you know, a number of, of people that deal with dead bodies and said, hey, are you seeing this? And he now has documented, documented at least 88 on the record that he knows who they are. He has the email correspondence with these people that affirm to have seen to varying degrees and frequencies this crazy phenomenon that you cannot turn away from. And it needs immediate investigation. So I figured rather than writing an article, I'll get the man himself on with us so you could hear him and what he's uncovered. Hey, Tom, thanks so much for joining us today at CR Podcast. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for having me on the show to talk about this very important topic. And I want to make one slight correction to what you said in the intro there. Uh, the 88 embalmers, I do not have their email addresses or know who they are because we promised that in the survey that we would allow them to remain anonymous in their, in their responses. So we know what state they're from, but we don't know uh, exactly who these embalmers are. Got it. So, so I, I want to get to the details, but start from the beginning. How in the world did you embark on this of creating maybe, you know, a 10 question or so survey to embalmers, sending it around and getting yeah. responses? How in the world did you get that off the ground? Well, you know, I watched that film, Died Suddenly, the week of Thanksgiving of this last year. It premiered like on the Monday of the week of Thanksgiving. And it started off kind of kooky. I wasn't sure I was going to watch the whole thing. I mean, you know, there's, there's pictures of Bigfoot and the moon landing. And I said, what's going on here? But I stuck with it, and I'm glad that I did, Daniel, because at the 13-minute and 15-second mark, there's an embalmer from the state of Indiana. His name's uh, Mr. Wallace Hooker. And he said that he recently gave a lecture at an Ohio Embalmers Association conference that took place on 26 October in Columbus, Ohio. And during that lecture, he showed uh, photos of these white fibrous clots that he's been pulling out of his corpses for the last year and a half or so. And he asked the audience of almost 100 embalmers at the conference, are you seeing these white fibrous clots too? And he said almost all of the 100 embalmers raised their hands, yes, they are seeing these clots. So then the next question he asked him is, well, when did you start seeing these clots? And they all agreed it was about 16 to 18 months ago, which would be in the middle of 2021, you know, about six months after the vaccines rolled out. Coincidence? Who knows, you know? But so that got, I said, that was, a, that was an extraordinary statement, right? So I went to bed that night. I got up, got up the next morning, and I said to myself, you know, I don't know if any journalist is going to, is going to investigate and to follow up on that, because that's an extraordinary statement. Either those 100 embalmers raised their hands or they didn't. Exactly. So I, call, I called the Ohio Embalmers Association myself. I live in uh, a suburb of Dayton, Ohio. Cincinnati is about uh, an hour south of me. 
and that's where the, their headquarters is. I talked to a, the secretary of the Ohio Marvelers Association, Mr. David Hicks. I talked to their president, and Mr. Dan Becker, and I also talked to their second vice president, Mr. Woody Wilson, and asked the three gentlemen, did you happen to be in the room at the time that Mr. Hooker said that the 100 embalmers raised their hands, saying yes? And all three of them said they just happened not to be in the room at the time that the that, that question was asked. But the last gentleman, Mr. Woody Wilson, who owns a uh, funeral home and does his own embalming in uh, a little town called Marysville, Ohio, about an hour north of me, said, Tom, I have been seeing the white fibers clots. So I said, wow, this is, this is big news. So the next thing I thought is, you know, we need to do a survey, a nationwide survey, right, to see how many of the embalmers are seeing these white fibrous clots. You know, when did they see them, where on the body, and how much are they seeing of them? So I decided to do a survey. So I worked with a young woman uh, that uh, lives in northeastern Ohio who just happens to be an expert in survey monkey. Her name's Laura. She's a terrific gal, and we work nicely as a team. And so I decided to do this survey. And like I said, I started you know, trying to be like a good reporter, you ask the basic questions, right? Who, what, where, when, why, and how? Well, you, you, we really can't ask the question who because there's a privacy that goes with the embalming room. You don't want to talk about the corpse, you know, you yeah. respect for the dead. And a lot of these embalmers really don't want to reveal who they are. They want, so I wanted to give them the freedom to take the survey anonymously without any you know, fear or repercussions. Uh, also, you don't want to ask the question why because embalmers are not qualified to tell you why the clots are forming. Exactly. You know, they're, you know, they're not trained on that. But the other questions, the what, you know, are you seeing the clots? The when, when did, they, when did you start seeing them? The uh, where, where on the body are you finding them? And then, of course, how much, you know, what percentage of your corpses actually have these clots? So I devised the survey to be like seven questions long, three minutes long, very easy for them to take. I gave them to my uh, assistant, Laura. She loaded them into SurveyMonkey. So then the next thing for me to do was to send out emails to distribute the survey to try to get as many active embalmers yeah. to take it as possible. Now, who in the world so, would answer a random anonymous survey like that? <laughs> yeah. So I used a top-down and a bottom-up approach. My top-down approach was I contacted the 30 most populated states. I contacted their state uh, funeral director associations. Wow. You know, they have hundreds of embalmers and, you know, funeral homes that are members of their association. And I actually called the presidents first and talked to them. And then I sent emails with the survey link to SurveyMonkey to, to, the, to the survey in it. And then I also used a bottom-up approach. Uh, Laura and I uh, found out the email addresses for over 800 funeral homes across the United States. Mm. So we sent, the, we sent the survey to them directly as well. So, you know, like for California, I would send uh, to funeral homes in the Los Angeles, San Jose, San Diego, San Francisco, Oakland, and Sacramento areas, for example. So using these two approaches, I was trying to maximize participation. So you now, spent a lot of time on this. I did, yeah. It's, 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 well, I'm retired, so this is a full-time job for me. It's, I'm doing this for free because I love humanity, and I want, I'm curious. I want to know the answer, right? I want to, are these seven embalmers like the only ones seeing these white fibrous clots? I don't think so because the 100 embalmers at the, at the conference said they raised their hands, and I want to find out what other embalmers around the country are seeing this. So despite the fact that I, we sent this to all those, you know, using a top-down and bottom-up approach, we didn't get as many responses as I would have liked to. You know, I, I would have liked to have gotten in the area. I zero. I mean, because I wouldn't well, imagine <laughs> anyone would want to just go, you know, 
go and fill out a random guy not knowing who you are. Hey, whoa, whoa like, what yeah. is this? And they obviously know the implications. So the fact that you did get, what, how many out of the 800 did you get responding? I got 128 responses. 120 responses. That's actually, in my mind, pretty good. I understand why you're disappointed. But, that's, but the point is like this. For our listeners, let's just take this down to basic level. Hirschman comes out. I have him on the show. You're seeing five risk clots. All right, maybe he's lying. Now, obviously, you know, I saw, I spoke to him enough. I saw the pictures enough. There were a few others ready at the time. You know, Ryan Cole got a hold of the samples. It's just too much. To me, clearly, he was at least giving over what he was seeing. But 88 is a lot more than one. So you yes, found 88 out of the 128 affirmed yeah. to some degree seeing it. That is 69%, Daniel. That's almost seven out of every 10 embalmers that responded to the survey say, yes, indeed, I am seeing these white fibrous clots. That was the second question to our survey. The first question was, what state are you from? We, we wanted to know what state they were from because we wanted to check for regionality and maybe see if there was any kind of red versus blue uh, bias. We did not see that. There wasn't enough responses to really double-check that, but you know, we got responses from blue states that said they saw the clots and some that said they didn't see the clots. And from red states, we, we got responses that said hey, some saw the clots and some we didn't see the clots. So we didn't see any particular, uh, you know, uh, blue versus red bias. And we did, and the same thing for regionality. We got responses from all different areas of the country that said they were seeing the clots and those that said they were not seeing the clots. Um, so question two, like I said, we like, uh, you know, seven out of ten uh, embalmers said they are seeing the clots. The next critical question was, what years uh, have you seen these clots? And I actually had a five-year range from 2018 through 2022. So I wanted to have 2018 and 2019 as control years that there was no COVID, right? And then year 2020 as a year that we had COVID but no vaccines yet. And then the years 2021 and 2022 uh, when we had both COVID and the vaccines. And the answer, the vast majority, the main consensus of the embalmers for that question said that the that the clots started, these white fibrous clots started in the year 2021, and have continued into 2022 and today. So again, very interesting, right? That they started after appears the rollout of the vaccines. And and, and what's interesting is you did have some that you know a minority that did say 2020, and and I think you know like a lot of safety signals we're seeing. It does make sense that if you just understand, you know, the basic mechanism here, you know, the spike protein is a spike protein. It's it was it's a gain of function uh, um, beauty from their perspective. This is what they were working on for many years to screw people over, sticks to your uh, the the lining of your blood vessels. Um, whereas with COVID, it has to fight through your defenses. With the shots, it could potentially go anywhere behind your defenses so it makes sense you're going to have some of this and we're seeing that a little bit with some of the heart stuff some signals in 2020 and then it explodes 2021 because you're taking you know the spike protein and then you're just getting it behind the body's defenses so you're going to have a much greater prevalence of it causing that damage but my question to you is so so this is a big deal this is a big deal i think you know so oh, we yeah. don't bury the lead that that you now have um, 88 individuals that are embalmers, you know they're embalmers, right? Because you got their emails, you know what you, you know, you know what they do. Um, it's you don't have it documented each one, but they weren't fake people, and you did get a Correct. response that 88 
affirmed to have seeing this. My question is, isn't this black and white? Isn't this the type of thing that there's no middle ground? If you're going to have people that are testing to seeing this on average 20 to 40% of the bodies they're seeing, not 1%, not, you know, one, you know, okay, I saw it once or twice where I never saw it before. How could you then have people, even a minority, that say they're not seeing it? Yeah, it is strange, Daniel, and uh, I think you're absolutely right. Even though I only got 128 responses, this this count of 88 is is significant, right? It to me, it's a uh, Houston, we have a problem type type signal that warrants further investigation. And I'm, I'm not saying that my survey is the end all be all. Yeah. I think that you know, it should lead to deeper investigation by the powers that be to, you know, FDA and CDC to go out and do their own survey and see if they can corroborate, verify what my survey is showing, that, you know, 88, that 7 out of every 10 embalmers are seeing these clots and that the majority of them are saying they started in 2021 after the rollout of the vaccines. You've alluded to the last question I had, which is what percentage of corpses are you seeing these in? And that's a shocking number right there because 57 out of the 128 uh, embalmers that responded to the survey are seeing the clots in, t- in at least 20% or more of their corpses. There were 23 embalmers out of the 128 that responded that said they're seeing the white fibrous clots in 21 to 40% of their corpses. There was another 23 embalmers that said they were seeing the white fibrous white clots in 41 to 60% of their corpses. And there was even 10 embalmers that said they were seeing these clots in 61 to 80% of their corpses, Daniel. I mean, that's shocking, isn't it? And if that's true, I mean, we've got a disaster on our hands. We really do. We really do. I mean, that's not the type of thing you can ignore. I mean, I think it's abundantly clear this is happening. Now, obviously, you're not a pathologist. and no. but But the issue is, why isn't the government doing autopsies? Or they probably are, but they're, they're, you know, they're not releasing details about it. And, and that's the thing. How do you not get to the bottom of this? What is forming in people's bodies when, let, let's face it, we already have, I mean, one of the first safeties, the first safety signal that even the media and the government admitted was blood clotting, I guess maybe more in a traditional right. sense. Um, but, but all along, I mean, long before these embalmers became a thing, and I knew Richard Hirschman and he went public, one of the thing, things that um, the doctors who treat vaccine injury kept saying and to an extent with COVID as well these are bizarre clots that don't yeah. seem to respond to heparin or other things we typically use to break up the clots I'll never forget um, uh, a, a doctor in Africa um, who is very cutting edge on treating COVID he treated blood clots from vaccine injury with like one mig per kg ivermectin, really high dose ivermectin. He said it worked. Wow, mm-hmm. it, it, it that's one of its mechanisms of action. It's anticoagulant, but that but that's the point that this is not coming from left field. The, the, the bombers didn't start it. That was the icing on the cake. I mean, the vares, the studies, the this. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, that's it. Ain't called a clot shot for nothing. That might be its number one mechanism of action. Its number one. Right. Modality sticks to the thelium, and this, this is proven a hundred times over. The question is, how is this distinct from the typical clots? What exactly is this composed of? How does it form? What does it mean? This is what we need to find out. But the fact that we can go a single day without investigating this is 
is just crazy. What about in terms of the locations, and what did that tell you? Locations were uh, nothing surprising there because the main two injection site points from embalmers are the carotid artery in the neck and also the iliac artery in the pelvis area that leads down to the, to the femoral arteries in the legs. That's where most embalmers do their injections to try to get the fluid in, and that's where most of the clots were seen. That doesn't mean that's where most of the clots were. They could have traveled to those areas, right? Mm. But those, that's where the, the embalmers saw those, so that wasn't really surprising. What was interesting in the survey, Daniel, is at the very end, we, we gave the embalmers a chance to comment uh, if they wanted to you know, yes. talk a little bit more about what they were seeing. And I made sure that in this, nowhere in my survey do I mention the words COVID or COVID vaccine. All I asked, remember, was, are, you know, what are you seeing? When did you start seeing it? Where in the body? And what percentage of your corpses are having this? There was no mention of, of COVID or the COVID vaccine. But despite that, quite a few of the responses of the comments talk about the vaccine. I'd like to read a few of them to you. Here's one from Alabama. I've seen clotting coming from most any of the points of incision. I mainly embalm in the common carotids, and I've seen many white fibrous clots about the time the vaccine came out. I've also seen an increase in the, uh, COVID for the jelly clots. Here's a naysayer one from California. I've never seen any white clots or any increase in grape jelly clots. Not sure what you're getting at. Do you believe the vaccine is related or something? I've embalmed over 500 people from 2020 to now, and I've never seen this. See, that sounds very defensive, the guys from California. Um, you know, it sounds like he's, yeah, something is weird. Um, you know, I, I know your thing was mainly just a limited point, a survey, just to see how prevalent this was. But in your talks, you have called a lot of embalmers, associations, funeral directors. There's other aspects to this than just the physical findings. There, and and because we've had a lot of even mainstream news articles throughout the world, I just read one from a Danish publication about um, undertakers complaining about a lack of space for coffins and crematorias and refrigeration. We've seen stuff about children's coffins, you know, mm -hmm. being in high demand. A lot of right. different signals that with death, anything that has to do with that supply chain of death. I'm um, kind of like, you know, like, you know, I, I, everyone knows this, that that with the cancer world, oncology and radiology, they're just booked up for months. So that's just something going on there. Did you get a sense of just, you know, not just informally, not with your survey, talking to them that there's a broader just a death bomb and B particularly weighted unusually towards younger people? No, uh, uh, I think that. Uh... From talking to some of the embalmers, uh, I think they're still seeing a lot in elderly people, but they're seeing it in younger people as well. It's, 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 uh, it doesn't discriminate by age. The clots can appear in any age. <laughs> so, so they're seeing it in just as many uh, elderly people as they are in younger people. And have any of them, so, either in the comments on your survey or in your phone conversations that you know, you've talked to some of these people, have they gotten a sense of vaccination status Obviously, it's not a standard thing that let me read a, to. Let me read a few more of them to you, Daniel, sure. and that'll pop up in, as I read a few, okay? Here's, here's one from Ohio. People that were COVID-confirmed had bad grape jelly clots. 
It was early 2021 when we started seeing the white fibrin structures being pulled out of both veins and arteries. And that's interesting in and of itself because usually embalmers have always found clots in the veins, but never the arteries. It's very rare. Arteries is very rare. It's just so for the public on a basic level. I mean, I I don't know anatomy that well, but I know enough that, you know, an artery artery is coming directly out of the heart. You know, if something's going to get gummed up, it's going to be, you know, over time on the return. But right out Correct. of the heart, it's it's it's. I, I think everyone would agree yeah. any form of blood clotting in an artery is pretty rare. Yeah, because you're right. The, the the pressure on that side, on the on the arterial side, is higher than the pressure on the on the venous side. Mm. So he said, we never pulled a clot from an artery. I just pulled a white structure from the right common carotid yesterday. I'll read a few more to you here. Here's one from Missouri. The clots almost look like large nightcrawler worms. They are usually very long. They kind of branch off from the main clot. I started noticing them after the COVID vaccine came out. I've been embalming for the last 13 years. I've only started seeing these clots for the last year or two. Here's a naysayer, one from Arizona. I have seen zero changes to the presentation of human remains in the last few years. It is clear that this is a poor attempt at farming anecdotes to malign the COVID vaccine. Please don't do this or claim that any anonymous survey data is any sort of substitute for rigorous scientific research. Got it. See, that's that's <laughs> very interesting in itself that the ones that said no were extremely defensive and presumptuous about what this is. Like, they're the ones, you know, you said you didn't bring up the vaccine, they're bringing it up. I didn't mention it. Yeah, they're bringing it up, not yeah. me. I didn't talk about it at all in the questions. Here's another one from Idaho. My clients have had the COVID vaccine and have passed of COVID have had remarkably more clots, so much so that I began to ask families if their loved ones have had the vaccine. So that answers your question from earlier. There are embalmers that are starting to ask the families, you know, hey, I found a lot of clots in your in your loved one. Did that person have the vaccine? Listen to this one from an embalmer from Alabama. This is the scariest thing that I've ever seen in the last 20 years. I worry every day of me or my family have them growing inside us. That's from an embalmer himself. So he's, he's, he's scared about what he's seeing when he's doing the embalming. And here's the last one from Ohio. Some of the fibrous clots were six to eight inches long and almost impossible to break with forceps. And that's one of the things that we, when we sent out the instructions for the survey, we made sure that the embalmers understood the difference between these new white fibrous clots that are very tough and what they call traditional chicken fat clots, which are much smaller, yellowish, and tear easily. So because there were some embalmers that I think were starting to get that uh, confused, so we made yeah. sure in our instructions to the survey that they, that they were not confused and that we just, uh, dis- distinguished between the white fibrous clots that are very tough yep. and, and the chicken fat clots that they've been seeing forever. That, that's very important because, again, like I said, the doctors were pretty unanimous about this. I don't think I'm saying – uh, something outlandish here that they there there seemed to be a consensus in the hospitals that it wasn't responding to what was typically used as an anticoagulant. That was that was a problem. And, and again, yeah. there's no question that anything that the vaccine does potentially on some level could show up in the virus itself. So you do have right. that kind of muddled thing as well. But like most things, you know, you you just uncontrollably get your body to produce that in infinite quantities, infinite locations. Whatever you have with the virus, you're going to have this times 100. So we got to run here, but I just want to close with 
Um, where are you headed with this project? What would you like to do to take well, it to the next level? And how could perhaps our listeners help your endeavor? I actually requested to speak at the FDA. Uh, they're having a meeting here on the 26th, and they're giving an hour for oral presentations. I was uh, denied that opportunity, unfortunately. There was a lottery, and I wasn't selected. But I did, I did submit a written package. You know, I think this goes above the FDA and the CDC, though. I'm not sure we can, can trust them to, to, to do the, the legwork to, you know, see whether it's really a problem or not, because they, they failed us in the past. So I think we need to go to Congress and have them. I've heard you talk about maybe putting a ban, a moratorium on the mRNA shots until we can determine the prevalence of these white fibrous clots and whether or not they are linked to the COVID-19 vaccines. We need to make that determination before Big Pharma continues to go down the path of retooling vaccines in the future using the same mRNA te- technology. It, it, exactly. All, all, exactly. You know, and and, you know, and I just want to say, just you know, pe- people are going to hit at things. Uh, oh, how dare you! We have like I don't know five thousand different points on the shots. They'll take each point and isolate it and reset the baseline as if the other. Uh, 4,000 don't exist, so they view everything in a vacuum. No one's saying that this in a vacuum would necessarily prove anything. It's when you have all the other known thrombotic issues that the government themselves have admitted and the way this thing works and all the sudden deaths and, you know, you put it all together, that makes this very significant what you're doing. Um, that you are able to get 88 people affirm in this country that, yes, I'm seeing this suddenly in the bodies, primarily beginning around that period of time we would have expected it if it were caused by this. Um, do you need help? Do you need help in this endeavor? Right now, I'm just uh, trying to get the information out there. And you're already helping, Daniel, with, with, with shows like yours. I would love to you know, eventually get to maybe Steve Dace and uh, Glenn Beck, the big man himself, and talk about this. Because I think that getting it out there to the public, you know, if, if, our, if our government fails, if, if Big Pharma fails us and continues to try to push out the mRNA jabs, the last line of defense is us, the people. And the good news is, as you know, that even though 80% of Americans got the first two jabs, less than 20% of Americans over the age of 18 have gotten the Omicron bivalent booster, even though it's been out there for five months and is being pushed heavily by you know, Dr. Fauci, Rochelle Lewinsky, etc. So I think the American public is starting to get it. They, they know the shots don't work. They don't stop you from catching COVID or transmitting it. And I also think that they're starting to get the idea that these shots could be dangerous. They're hearing about myocarditis, and I would love them to start thinking about white fibrous clots in the same vein they think about myocarditis, that this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. And, and folks, I don't have it posted anywhere, but if you want to find it, there's a terrific, terrific substack called The Forgotten Side of Medicine with a Midwestern doctor. The guy is just like produces like 5,000 word essays every day, just brilliant doctor there. So the top post as of now is Do the Mysterious Fibrous Clots Really Exist? where he has shared Tom's work, and you could click on the files, the PowerPoints there, so you could see the data, you could see the word-for-word comments um, that people, you know, emailed back and a few of them said no it's not they're not seeing it so it's nothing that tom could have fabricated this is uh pretty well done tom really appreciate all of your work it's going to take citizen journalism like this to make a difference it's not going to come on its own from the usual usual sources so god bless you in your endeavor and definitely keep us updated thank you daniel and i sure will 
All right, folks, was that creepy or what? I mean, it's like a science fiction movie. This is the times we live in, but this is what it's going to take. It's ordinary people. There's no amazing background to this guy. Kudos for spending time on this. This has become his obsession. He's emailed me a lot, and I feel like he's put in enough work that this merits something. This is not the type of thing. See, if you're doing vaccine injury, you can't randomly survey you know, people and then only hear back from 10% and then say, well, this percent, whatever. These are a finite number of people. It's embalmers. So if you have 88 of them willing to say, oh, like, yes, this is what I'm seeing, that's a big, big problem. Um, I just wanted to comment on one other thing on this topic before we move on. It's just, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about this Died Suddenly movie. And it's kind of divided some people in this anti-COVID fascism, medical freedom, anti-COVID shot movement. Some people don't like the fact they feel there's inaccuracies in the, the movie. There's things that should have been put in there. And all I could say is, you know, obviously we want to get everything as accurate as possible. I had nothing to do with that movie. I wasn't involved in it. Um, but when you have people lying that 100% of what they're saying is wrong. And based on those things, they're killing millions of people. And then you have people clamoring to put out information to combat it. And 90% of what they put in there is right. And the other 10%, it's not that it's wrong in the sense that it's not happening. It's just the data points they use or the things they use um, just don't necessarily show that. But other things do show it. It's not that it's not true or like I think there's a claim that they put a picture in there of someone dropping suddenly when it actually was before the vaccines were ever out. So it clearly wasn't from that. But clearly it is happening, too. So, you know what I'm saying? That's the point. It doesn't mean you should make mistakes and not be sloppy. But the broad point is true. And those inaccuracies aren't killing anyone. The broad tenor of it is true. So I think, you know, that that. A scene from the documentary that he's referring to where a hundred of them raise their hands and, and reveal that they're having problems, that is significant. And this is our job is to create that firestorm. To create that firestorm around this so that they cannot ignore this issue. I just saw that I, I knew this, by the way, privately, but it is official now that Thomas Massey Chip Roy, and Ralph Norman. Um, Ralph was also involved. He was one of the original five publicly against McCarthy. They are appointed to rules committee. And that basically means that those three practically will wind up having veto power over what comes to the United States House floor. So this is where this needs to be done. We need to work with those members. And by the way, two out of them, Massey and Roy, will be on the subcommittee under judiciary, investigating the federal government's malfeasance, violation of human rights. So this is where we have to make our stand as well as the state legislatures. But without it, this is not going to be their focus. Michael McCall, he's the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He says the U.S. needs to be sending M1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. This is the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee. This is what they're focused on. They're not focused on what you and I are focused on. 
and they won't be focused on it on their own. So we cannot allow this issue to go by the wayside. A couple other interesting things on this front, just to point out here. Did you know that in children injured by myocarditis, Harvard researchers found, it's American Heart Association Journal Circulation, if you do the math, it's not directly in there. You can't do a word search, but if you do the math of the formula they have, it works out to being that they found 436 billion copies of spike protein circulating freely in their plasma a month after they got the shot in all the people that were injured. I just want you guys to think about that. What are the consequences of creating a technology that goes into your body and at any given time in any location in your body could produce an infinite amount of pathogenic spike proteins that stick to your lining of your of, of your blood vessels? I mean, I just want you to think about that. Well, it's not a surprise that we're going to start seeing really crazy phenomenon in your body, and this being one of them with the fibrous clots. Um, another story I wanted to share with you, just kind of going in no uh, particular order, we're going to cover January 6th tomorrow and some of the ramifications of that degree of fascism. So I want to get some of these things off the docket today. Justin Hart, a friend of mine, he started Rational Ground. Um, that's his Substack. Just horrific. He he posted FOIA'd emails from the FDA laughing at people who died, denied ivermectin. Could you just imagine that? Um, they were obtained originally by Epic Times, and they were thrilled at how they put out, you know, the famous tweet from the FDA uh, that got, um, you know, 111,000 likes and 48,000 retweets. You're not a horse. You're not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. And there, so there was this email from this Jennifer or Erica Jefferson to this Dr. Woodstock bragging about the metrics on it. All said, it looks like we gained a total of 11,000 followers across the accounts we posted these on. That's up 636%. I want you to think about it, and, I, and I, it rips my heart about the people that you had those critical 48 hours there where their blood oxygen level would drop, and you had time to save them, and they couldn't get it because of what the FDA did. The, the, um, see, until then, they were blocking hydroxychloroquine, but like right before that tweet, a couple weeks before, I actually went to a Walgreens, no problem. I got ivermectin. It was because of that, and they're laughing about the metrics they got. Um, one of them said this guy, uh, Taimo, T-A-I-M-W-O, Taiwo, whoever that jerk is, well done. I couldn't help but laugh at the tweet reacting to the infamous use of the word y'all in Brad's voice. I'm so here for the comments. Um, Acting Chief of Staff Jessica Tierney gave it a kudos to the whole FDA team, their social media team. This is outstanding work, so creative, and most importantly, gets FDA public health message out to the universe. I can't wait to see what else you have in the works. All while people suffered. And again, now we have a randomized, double-blinded, controlled trial out from Belgium. 
showing, I forget what it was, like 72% reduction um, from 0.6 mgs per kg. And by the way, there's also an interesting study out from the University of Marseille. Same researcher, I forget the name, and I'm speaking just from memory. Peter McCullough had a substack recently on it. But uh, talking about mechanistically how ivermectin works, and Peter actually, interestingly enough, um, Peter identified that it was the same researcher from University of Marseille that, if you remember, discovered antibody-dependent disease enhancement in Delta, in the Delta variant, how the shots created ADE in Delta, which is what we saw. Delta just took the virus to a new level, and it happened after the proliferation of the vaccines, which is why more people died in 2021 of COVID than 2020. And the vaccine caused that. And that much, to be clear, affected all of us, including the unjabbed. And that's when they were able to, they would point out every unjabbed person, not the jab person, plenty of jab people died. They didn't point it out. Oh, he died because he didn't get the vaccine. See, there's two types of things. It could, it could mess up your immune system, create immune tolerance, IgG4, um, original antigenic sin, immune imprinting. That's only going to be in a micro sense, the, the individual who got the shot. But um, ADE, what this did is it enhanced the actual pathogen, and that affected everyone. It affected everyone. And it's just so, so sad. So unbelievably sad. This needs to be investigated. I'm going to give you guys a homework assignment. If you had to put in specific, but not too specific, pointed questions that can't last for more than two, two or three sentences, top 10 questions that if you are on the subcommittee in judiciary investigating both DOD and HHS, every aspect of this, what are your top 10 oversight research questions you would pose? Here's the deal. You guys give me your best ones. I'll take the best ones and pass it on to members in the committee. Let's do this a collaborative work, just like we're doing with conaction.network. Sign up for your team. Um, I need team leaders in Montana, in Idaho, in South Dakota. Um, we could use in Kansas and Oklahoma as well, Texas. A lot of states we need to do, Arkansas, let me know if you are willing to lead or at least co-lead if we get a few other people. Email is danielhurwitz at startmail.com. Again, this is our, 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 our work at this point. What is it we would actually do to create a firestorm with oversight, with revelations of hearings, with legislation? That's the best we can do. But we got to be unrelenting. And the main focus has to be on things like this. There's nothing political about today's show in the sense that it's not about Biden, Republicans, Democrats, Trump, this, that, you did that scandal. The outcome of our inquiries, of our questions, of our coverage is nothing short of literally all of humanity. This is literally a science fiction movie. That's what we need to focus on. 
I'm not as concerned about the rote politics, but I'm just going to tell you that consumes the purview and the focus of, of most of even the better state legislators, certainly congressmen. We need to change the game, and that's what we're here to do. That's why I need you guys to give me five-star rating on iTunes with a comment. It really helps with the algorithm. Pass this show around to everyone you know who wants to learn more about the shots. And again, we're going to cover a lot of other issues. We're going to get into the global warming, more energy policy. We're going to get into, um, obviously, what we can do about the FBI and January 6th, juxtaposed to crime, which is crazy. We have crazy, crazy crime stories. Hopefully, we'll get to tomorrow with Julie Kelly. She'll be back. So we got a lot more. I will be out Friday, so it'll be a little bit of a shorter week. We're going to make it up and pack it in these four days. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. And peace.